We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Caster. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Aldrock, Tommy Caster. Back with you here, 869-1240, the number to call. And we are joined now by Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider. Uh, he runs GoPowerCat.com when he's not too busy uh, trolling Pac-12 fans or stirring up controversy by saying maybe that Keontae Johnson is a little tired. Tim, how do you find the time for all of these controversies? Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's a gift. I mean, you don't, you wouldn't ask Mozart. How do you play the piano so well? He would just it's go, I, I play the piano really well. This is what I was born to do, apparently. There's no uh, monetary value in my skill set, but, you know, you just got to go with what you got. I think you and I are kindred spirits a little bit, Fitz, because I enjoy a good troll job just as much as you do, I'm sure. And I think that's something that we have in common, but I don't know if Jacob can really fully appreciate that because he's all about harmony and getting along with everybody and never upsetting anybody. Like, that's just the way that he is. Yeah. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that's pretty much, pretty much how that is. If I walk in... And if, in, fairness, in fairness, I did not in any way troll the Keontae Johnson family. I simply said he looked tired. Which was apparently a crime against the family. You cannot say that. How dare Tim, that you? would be that would be akin to telling a Chiefs fan that Patrick Mahomes threw an incomplete pass. You just can't go there, right? I honestly That's exactly right. Uh, all jokes aside, um, I do think it speaks to just how remarkable Keontae's season and story have been that he has become so revered for K-State fans. It's such a cool story, but it is a fair yeah. question, but I don't think it's even just him. He's, you know, he because of his physical history, I think it's an it's something to look at, but man, K-State as a whole seems like they've hit a little bit of a wall. And I guess that's where my questioning today starts. Have they hit a wall? based on their success and everything else, or do we more realistically look at the schedule that they've played and realize, 
mean, they've played a ton of road games lately over this two or three week stretch, and that may be what is sort of holding them back right now. Yeah, I don't think I was too worried about anything uh, until the back-to-back losses to the you know ninth and tenth place teams in the conference. Um, I you know you lose at Iowa State, you lose at Kansas, Texas comes in and beats you. All that can be explained by your you know playing on the road or a really good team. When you lose back-to-back at Texas and Oklahoma, alarm bells go off. Particularly when at Tech they look so lethargic for most of the game, and then the second half against Oklahoma, it just looked like they had nothing in the tank left. And and while it is the whole team that looks tired, uh, you know, to a degree, when it's your star guy, you know, one of your main horses you're trying to ride the victory, uh, and, you know, he's just not getting touches on the offensive end, which, you know, according uh, to the friends and family, uh, it's all because his teammates suck and don't give him the ball, uh, which I thought was an interesting take. Um, or He's just not as active right now, and he, you know, he's not making himself as available, which I think is true with everyone. You know, you go back earlier in the season when Marquise Noel would go on one of his drives down the lane, someone would be flashing to the rim to give him a, a target, and boy, against Oklahoma in that second half, he'd go to the rim, and there was no one there. They're all standing on the perimeter looking for a three-pointer, so there's a lot going on right now with this team, and but it sounds like... Uh, my hopes for them to have some easy practices leading up to Iowa State hasn't panned out, and they've been getting after it in practice, trying to hammer their way through uh, this this slump. And boy, they need a win on Saturday. That's just all I got to say. They they really need to beat Iowa State. Well, speaking on uh, Marquise Noel a little bit, do you have any lingering concerns about him shooting the three over the last two games? One of ten against Texas Tech, two of nine yeah. against Oklahoma. Is that, you know, that, is that a, a symptom of an issue going on with him, or is that just playing on the road in the Big 12 in back-to-back games? No, I think the, the, the physical act of shooting three-pointers from distance like he does means uh, if you're tired, the, the room for error opens up quite a bit. I, just, I think he, too, is exhausted mentally and physically. And he's just off his mark. Um, but like I said on our podcast that went uh, live this morning at Go Cat, I don't want him to stop. He's got a shooter's mentality. Uh, and eventually he'll shoot his way right through this. Uh, but, you know, maybe he needs to restrict himself a little bit, be a little bit more selective. But uh, you can't have him back off the gas because um, what makes him great is when he can stretch the defense and then get inside of it. So right now he's not stretching the defense. He's not as effective because they can back off him a little bit. Uh, and it's, you can see the domino effect going on. Tim, when we look at things holistically, I, I wonder about the wall, but I also wonder about the expectation wall too, right? Like, so for me, I'm having a hard time discerning, like, have they just physically hit a wall because of all the road games, because of, you know, the way that the schedules played out or, you know, is this team probably has have have we seen this team peak? And if so, how concerning is that? Because I don't think it's that concerning when you talk about the NCAA tournament. It's not going to be that disappointing to me if they don't win the Big Twelve. That was nowhere near the expectation. But I do think they're still a really good team that can win tournament games. Is there a difference there? Do you think? Well, I think Iowa State proved it last year. Iowa State did this exact same thing, raced out, hit the wall. Uh, had some real struggles 
through the heart of the Big 12. Got into the NCAA tournament and made it to the Sweet 16. Uh, and I think we'd all view a Sweet 16 trip as a successful year. We'll see if they can regroup for that. Uh, there's a couple things for me going on here. First of all, when they get to the NCAA tournament, they're going to see some different people, some, some different teams. Uh, and I think if you go back to that Florida game, you understand uh, what happened uh, in that SEC weekend. When Oklahoma beat Alabama the way it did, I think it defined the fact that how brutal it is in the Big 12. I mean, we're talking about the team that was number two in the country at the time and somehow is now number one, just getting trashed by one of the worst teams in the Big 12. And the way K-State went about just kind of casually beating up a pretty decent Florida team uh, kind of showed me that this team needs to get out of the Big 12 and see some different teams. But also keep this in mind, and this is also true for Iowa State last year and how they wore out. This team is filled with transfer portal guys. They haven't been through a Big 12 season. I mean, they haven't seen this night in, night out wear and tear that you have in this conference. And even though Keontae played at a really high level in the SEC, you don't see that in the SEC. You get, you catch Ole Miss on some night <clears throat> or, you know, another team that just isn't very good. That doesn't happen in the Big 12. When you get to the road games at number 9 and 10, they're going to beat your butt if you're not ready to play. And I just think the relentless nature of the schedule is catching up to this team. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how Jerome Tang, more than uh, the roster, responds to this. And, and this is going to be, um, you know, such an important part of his first year at Kansas State where – you know, it's it's not all rainbows and butterflies, right? And, you know, there have been so many different times of getting to celebrate and, you know, be excited and all of that. But this is really where you earn your stripes as a head coach, how to get your players to respond in the middle of adversity when it is gut check time, when you're losing games in a row. How do you bounce back from that? Knowing what you know about Jerome Tang, uh, I, I don't I certainly don't have any doubts that he can rally this team, but I'm wondering since you're closer to the program, your thoughts on what Jerome Tang can do during this time. Well, I think from what I'm hearing, he's recognized that there's, there's a little disunity in the locker room, which is not a good sign, but uh, I think he's, he's trying to get them to hate him and not each other right now. Honestly, that's kind of, you know, turn the, try to unify the locker room against him. Um, which is a hard sell with, you know, his general nature with his team. But he's unhappy. He should be unhappy. Um, they they don't look like they're very focused on the game of basketball right now. And maybe that's just all attrition. I don't know. But it's, uh, it's a troubling trend for them. And we'll see if uh, his approach has any impact on his team Saturday afternoon against Iowa State. Tim, let's look bigger picture here. Um the the Big 12, the Pac-12, all the realignment sort of back in the headlines again. Texas and Oklahoma are going to be gone. The Big 12, according to some reports, is remaining aggressive in expansion, trying to get out west. There have been rumors of courting Gonzaga as a basketball school. How how much do you feel? It's amazing because when we had this conversation a year ago, or not even a year ago, we were all really uneasy. But now, God, doesn't it feel like your mark's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. And finally, there is, you know, in, you know, optimism that, man, he's going to go add as many teams as he can add, and the Big 12 is going to be in a great position after all this. 
Yeah, it. You know, when he signed that that quick um, media rights deal, um, you know, there was there was a feeling that, yeah, he got it done. You know, he came in here and got them a, as about a good as deal as you could expect without Oklahoma and Texas. I agree with that. But there were some people that said, boy, he he really kind of panicked and hit. You know, got that done too quickly and didn't really work the system enough. He didn't wait for the bidding to open up for all bidders. He just did it in the window where existing rights holders, ESPN and Fox, could bid and, and took their offer. I agree with that, too. But out on the other end of it was the Pac-12 that <clears throat> paused and, and waited uh, and has been totally inactive other than talking trash on the Big 12 uh, since losing their two L.A. market schools you know, before the football season. Uh, you, you look back at the Big 12, when they lost Oklahoma, Texas, boom, they expanded. They they act, acted definitively. You can argue about, boy, they added a bunch of schools that watered down the conference. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I, I can see that. But they did something positive for the conference. And none of that's happened in the Pac-12. And now, because they hesitated, ESPN's pulled out of the bidding because of financial issues at Disney. So they're out now. Fox is out. Well, yesterday we learned CBS slash Paramount and Turner had been bidding. They're out, um, which kind of leaves NBC, which, you know, is a possibility, I guess. They'd want a game after Notre Dame, um, which is, you know, maybe, I don't know if that's realistic or not. Um, and the streamers. And now we're also hearing Amazon and Apple don't want their entire package of games. They don't want to be a platform for every little Pac-12 event. They just want a football game. And, you know, if you look at Amazon, they might just want a Thursday night game to package with their NFL game to come on afterwards with that late night window. I don't know who's going to bid on them. I don't know who they're going to get money out of, <clears throat> let alone the $50 million that they thought they were worth at the start of this whole process, which came down to, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, uh, can we get them – at least to match the Big 12, around $30 million. Now my colleague Dennis Dodd at CBS has reported they might go as low as $21 million. Um, it seems like the longer they wait, the worse it gets, and they continue to wait. It makes no sense, but the Pac-12 is not going to survive this. I just don't see any pathway unless there's a, a magical buyer we don't know, a Danzen or someone that's off the table right now that doesn't normally bid on college sports might come roaring in and do something silly and bid a bunch of money. Um, unless that happens, I, I just don't see where they're going to get the money, and they're in trouble. They're, this conference is just going to come apart. How valuable is it in your mind uh, for the Big 12 to uh, potentially embrace basketball? We know that it's a football-first, yeah. football-heavy realignment, but if you know Brett Yormark uh, has had conversations with Gonzaga uh, and potentially looking at maybe doing something that is basketball-driven right now um, – how valuable do you think that can be? Uh, I'm really beginning to understand what he's doing here. First of all, his number one step is to go west. He, he absolutely is going to add some value out west because the only thing that can really make their football TV package more valuable is being able to play in that fourth window, that that Pac-12 after dark window that honestly is about the only thing valuable about their TV contract. Uh, so if you can steal that from them, that even – further weakens the Pac-12, and you're going to end up with some Pac-12 schools. Uh, so that gets you the 16 football schools if that plan works out. After that, I, I've 
kind of talking to people come to understand that he's not just talking to Gonzaga. There's talk that he's also talked to Villanova and other basketball only schools, not only, but they don't play FBS football. Um, and it appears what he's doing is he's looking at adding a wave of basketball schools uh, that bring value to the table. Um, he, it almost feels like he's moving towards the next rights negotiation will be football. Here's our football. We want to buy our football and here's our basketball because the big 12 basketball product is unmatched. And if you start adding Gonzaga and Villanova, uh, I think he's looking at St. John's. I've theorized that maybe Creighton, um, I guess which tough day would be in that conversation, but I, you know, as yeah, you guys could you put in a call for us fits? Yeah, could you put yeah, in a call on that? There'd probably be some pushback on that. It seems like Creighton would be more of a regional thing. But also as a supplement to that, uh, and having a, a separate basketball contract for the conference with media rights, which could be substantial, um, is the fact that he's kind of creating pockets of schools where the rest of your sports don't have to travel all over the nation all the time to compete in tennis or soccer or, or whatever sport it is that they can stay local a little bit more. And quite frankly, you may never play until the postseason conference tournament teams on the opposite coast. That might just be how it shakes out. But I think he's looking at trying to cut costs on uh, what we'd call Olympic sports travel too. And there's a kind of brilliance to that because that's a real concern. I mean, do you really want to be flying, you know, if you're UCF kids from Orlando to Provo on a consistent basis to play, you know, every sport that you offer, golf, I don't, you know, you can just go down the list. It gets expensive. Right. So, you know, maybe there's there's some brilliance in this that I'm beginning to appreciate. Well, or some simplicity, right? In a world yeah. where there's never a business sense applied, it doesn't seem like, in college where spending is out of control, a businessman comes in and approaches it like a business. And those things make total sense to us, right? Um, put everything yeah. else to the side because – I think in general in college athletics, we are starting to just understand that that's what it is, right? Whether you wanted to admit it or not five years ago, it's big business, business, right? It has to financially make sense. What is your take as we switch gears here? We brought up Wichita State briefly. You're on the outside. I'm curious about what the outside perception might be of Wichita State right now. Do you think the American is a good place to be? And and what what do you see for the program long term as far as coach conference anything as you look at it from the outside? Well, first of all, I do think the Americans great for Wichita State in the fact that it takes them to a higher, more visible level. Uh, but again, it brings up some of what I just talked about. It it spreads you all over the country with expenses, um, you know. And when you're not talking football revenue. Uh, boy, that, that gets harder to justify. But I'm going to be really blunt and probably make some people in Wichita angry. Um, when Wichita State struggles in basketball, the rest of the state just tunes out. You know, it's it's a, interesting to the rest of the state. When Wichita State's good, it's fun to have a third school rocking and rolling. But when the Shockers struggle, it, it the Shockers aren't mentioned in this part of the state at all right now. I mean, it's just the reality of, of the marketplace. Everyone's focused on K-State and KU, at least, you know, in, in this stretch of I-70. So um, I, I think the Shockers are in a good spot, but 
also, I, I, I'm not so sure they wouldn't be in a better spot if they didn't focus on maybe uh, I can see eventually more of a Texas-based Southwest Conference type of team popping up in the future. Uh, and that would include some of the teams in the American that, you know, they're, they're having rivalries with now. And that might be a better home for them eventually if that comes to fruition. Tim, we appreciate it. I don't know what to do. It's, it's an uncomfortable time, I think, right now at Wichita State. Not that there's not optimism, because I think that there is. But I don't even know what to think about the American right now and and how to approach that as it's going to continuously get poached and you know bring yeah. in some belt teams. But, you know, as Wichita State and Memphis and, and some of these bigger metro area schools still sit there, I, I think that there's going to be a time that they feel – miscast I, I don't know maybe not maybe the American can stay strong it was a once very aggressive conference didn't pan out it wasn't for lack of effort but we'll see um, go powercat.com on everything K-State you just mentioned a podcast what else can folks find there well I just had a, uh, a daily delivery that will go up at uh, I think 11 that deals more with the Pac-12 kind of delves into that uh, but we really dig into K-State's basketball issues on that podcast so Hopefully people will take time after you guys are done talking to go listen to the PowerCat podcast. Uh, and we'll have some, you know, we've got some developments on the, the football coaching front, which we've shared. It looks like <clears throat> they've zeroed in on a receivers coach and uh, we're kind of awaiting, you know, more concrete confirmation, but we're pretty confident that they found their guy. So go check it out at Go PowerCat. Uh, real quick, I'm glad you brought that up. One final thing, Colin Klein staying at K-State. Yeah. Single most important thing that could have happened this off season because yeah. it feels that way. It does. It, it does, and I, I'm shocked to be honest. Because when I went to bed, I think it was just what last Thursday. Uh, I thought he was gone. I mean, everything we'd heard was K State can't even come into the neighborhood of what Notre Dame's offering. Um, you know, it's just too good of a, a opportunity to pass up, which might have meant Avery Johnson transferring to Notre Dame because they're so tight. Um, to the next morning, him announcing he's staying. And I think reality set in that his roots are deep here. There's, they're, they're buying land. They've moved his family here. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes with the clients. And Shailen, his wonderful wife, said, Colin, let's stop and think about this. Do we want to go through all this trauma and make your alma mater, you know, the fans upset with us? And I think reality set in, and I also think they came up with more money for him, and overnight the donors got to Gene Taylor's AD and said, what do we need to do? Uh, because losing Colin would have been symbolic. Um, you know, he's not just do your you offensive coordinator. He's, he's a favorite son. Has he worked his way? Do you think he's the coach in waiting at this point? I, honestly, I don't think he's quite ready, uh, but I do think his next step will be a head coach. I think making a parallel career move in terms of title uh, – probably won't happen and we might see him if K-State continues to win you know jump on to the 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 list of possible coaches for programs I've always said Mountain West but my guys on the podcast think you know going young uh, is the trend now in hiring coaches and you know maybe a power five will pop up in you know a couple of years if K-State's still successful and try to get the Colin Klein magic and I think that'd be the best thing honestly not to leave for another OC job, but to leave for a head coaching job, and then you can get ready to be the next head coach if that pops open over the next five to ten years. All right, Tim. Well, we appreciate it. At Life of Fitz on Twitter, you can find uh, Fitz's next social media controversy soon. Um, maybe mm -hmm. we'll get mm -hmm. thoughts on Jordan <laughs> versus LeBron. 
uh, the steroid era of baseball and the Hall of Fame. Who knows what's coming, but yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll have Fitz stir the pot. Uh, hey, don't let the uh, don't let the haters get you down there, Fitz. Oh no, 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 no! I I I don't let their negative energy soak into this wonderful <laughs> outlook I have about life. Yeah, you and you and Tommy can have fun with those guys. In the meantime, if I see conflict in a room, you can watch me walk the other way. All right, <laughs> Fitz, we appreciate it. See you, boys. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. Go PowerCat.com. Weekly visit if you missed anything, KFHradio.com. Tommy and I will be back. We'll get you ready for a shocker game tonight. A big one. Show us something. Going on the road to Temple. We'll be back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. How are you today? Shocker fans, you ready for a game against Temple tonight? Tommy, you got to... We got to see Wichita State prove it tonight, basically. Um, I mean, that's the way we look at every game now. We had Kevin Saul on yesterday um, and, you know, presented the, I think, uncomfortable questions that fans are trying to navigate right now as it pertains to the program. And, and that's, you know, that's just where things are. So as Kevin Saul says, the evaluation is a season-long evaluation. Um, and we look at Wichita State tonight, four-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road. They have played well on the road this year. What are your expectations for the night? Well, how many different times this season, uh, even during conference play, we have like wished and hoped that Wichita State can get to 500 in American play? They've got another opportunity to do that tonight. They've been hanging right under 500 with a win. They moved to 7-7 seven and seven overall in conference play. Uh, and Temple, I think what I want to see from Wichita State in this game is how do they minimize the impact from Khalif Battle? Battle scored 25 points in the last game that Temple played against Memphis. Uh, Temple did lose that game by nine, but Battle put up 25 points in that game. So I want to see how they defend him. Also, Temple is not great at home. It's kind of, They're kind of similar to Wichita State in that regard, although you know Temple has a winning record on their home court, but they're only 7-6. and six, So they are beatable at home. It's never easy to go on the road in conference play, especially late in the season. But as we've talked about before, every single game matters for Wichita State as far as the overall future of this program. It, yeah, it does. Temple's lost three in a row. Um, Temple maybe is hitting a wall. They were sort of a surprise team this year. Um, I, I don't know if that's the case. I'm interested to see them play. You know, they 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 started so hot. They won a couple of overtime games against South Florida and UCF, and then they've lost three in a row. So I think they're gettable. I mean, I definitely think they're gettable. Uh, Chelsea Messenger talked about Wichita State's conference record on the road has been really good. We all know that. It has not been good at home. Wichita State, Tommy, is trying to win back-to-back games for the first time in forever. And, you know, they've only had two of those streaks in the last, like, two or three months. So it's an opportunity for the Shockers. And as we look and evaluate, and if it's a season-long evaluation, then each individual game is important. And I don't – it's hard to get inside the head of Kevin Saul. We tried yesterday – Gave diplomatic answers, as he should at this point. It's his job to do. Um, It's hard to know what can happen 
between now and the end of the season, outside of doing something crazy like winning the conference tournament or losing all your games, right? Like, how, what's a part of that evaluation process now? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know. It feels like there's a tremendous amount of pressure, but that feeling comes from the fan base, which is, I think, the place that generally comes from, right? When when things, but it feels like there's a tremendous amount of pressure among fans to figure this out quickly. And so I don't know how that evaluation process goes. I do think, though, that it is still a real opportunity for this coaching staff and this team to focus on the micro and not the macro and really focus on these individual games and try and get out there and prove it each time they play. I'll tell you where I really struggle right now with this season for Wichita State. And, and I've thought about this, and I've thought about it, and I've thought about it. And for the life of me, I can't figure it out. And maybe you have better insight on this than I do. Would it be worse for Wichita State this season if they went through an extended losing streak? You know, where they're, they've lost five, six games in a row. Or what we're seeing right now where they win one, you get excited, they lose one, you're back to where you were before. You win one, you're like, okay, maybe there's some promise here. They might win two in a row, and then they drop a really disappointing one. And it's, it's this roller coaster like back and forth where you can't you can't really hang on to anything versus they're just losing a bunch of games all in a row. I'm trying to figure out which one for the fan base would be, I guess, emotionally worse. And I, for the life of me, I don't know if I have an answer for that. I don't, I mean, I don't have an answer for that. And, and I don't, nobody does right now. And, and I don't know. Here's the other part of the question. Is it really a season long evaluation process or is the evaluation already happened and, yeah. and a conclusion been drawn? I, I don't know. Um, I do think that it, man, I, I never envy these spots cause it is so hard to get a real good understanding for all the different things pulling in different directions. It matters what fans think because you need butts in those seats. It matters what the donor base thinks. It certainly matters what the athletic director and administration thinks. It matters what the coaches think. It matters what perspective coaches might think, right? Like who might be out there that seems attainable? Because I always ask the question with any fan base, if you're going to make a change, who are you going to get? Because the grass is not always greener on the other side. Right? I mean, it's not. Yeah. So, K-State, Bruce Weber, every two, three years had a tremendous amount of success, it seemed like. But they were ready to make a, you know, make a change, and I think the grass was greener in most people's opinion right now. But... There are things that happen all the time in the coaching world. Like, let's take Kentucky, for example. There's a lot of people that think Coach Cal's time has run out there. I'm like, okay, if that's what you really think, who are you going to get, right? Like, who, Because ask Indiana and UCLA and some of these traditional powers where it's taken a really, really long time to get those programs back. Now, those two programs appear to both be back. But how many coaches did it take to get there, right? So it's a it's always a dangerous proposition to ask for change. Doesn't mean it's not the right proposition. Just means it's dangerous. It's not simple. It can get worse. I, I promise you, Shocker fans, it can be worse than 500. 
absolutely yeah. can be. And and so there is a tremendous amount of pressure right now on everybody in the program. Um you know, from the the players on the court to the coaches on the bench to the administration making decisions, there's a tremendous amount of pressure to get this right because the timing of getting it right feels pretty critical right now in this moment of college athletics. I tend to agree that these seismic shifts happening are happening now, and it'll at least be a little while before they happen again. So you have got to be in good position now more than ever before as big-time, long-reaching, and long-lasting decisions are made in the world of college athletics and where you might stand in it. And look, uh, going off of what Tim Fitzgerald just said a little bit ago, if Brett Yormark and his priority, uh, number one, is to go out west, but number two is to look at potentially bringing on schools like Gonzaga, Villanova. He mentioned Creighton as a potential. These basketball-centric schools and having a significant amount of value in the basketball product in the Big 12, Wichita State should fit into that, but they need to have their profile higher. They need to be successful. And I don't know, number one, I don't know if this is going to play out in that way, but if it does, I don't know how long down the road we're talking. I don't know if we're talking two, three, four, five. I have no idea how long we're talking about uh, before something like this happens, but I can tell you right now that if it does and the Big 12 really wants to prioritize basketball and they bring on basketball-centric schools to make that happen and Wichita State misses the boat on that, I think that is a hugely disappointing missed opportunity for the Shockers. And they need to have the program be at a point to where it's appealing for that conference because, look, I'm going to tell you right now, Wichita State is, yeah, they're fine in the American. It's better than where they were before. But I'm not convinced the American is viable in a few years. I have no idea. Well, There's a lot that can go on from now. But I'm not sure that it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be viable in a few years. I'll, I'll just say that. And so I think that it's important to have your banner carrier program like basketball in a position to where you're attractive to other conferences like maybe a – hoops-centric Big 12 division that might want to bring in a Wichita State? It, look, I, I think it's viable. It's it, The question is, where does Wichita State need to be or want to be, right? I, I don't – the American's going to exist. It's and that just, may all be a pipe dream. That may all be wishful right. thinking. That all may never happen. But, you know, if – and, and really it, 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 it struck me as soon as I saw Brett Yormark was talking to Gonzaga. Like, okay, there's some value here in basketball. And there is yep. value here with schools that are dominated by basketball. Wichita State should be one of those schools. It's just a matter of— I agree of, with you there. Is that, I agree is, with you that there. is the guy who's leading the program right now in Isaac Brown the one to make that program attractive well, to a hoops-centric future of a conference? It's not the only thing that matters, but I agree with you that there is no reason— Wichita State can't be thought of in the same way as Creighton, as yep. Memphis. Uh, I mean, Gonzaga's maybe a little far-reaching at this point, but Gonzaga 10 years ago, because you're in, in a larger market than most colleges get to operate in. You have a very fruitful donor base, and it just it needs to happen, right? And, and 
whether it does, the timing of that is so critical right now. So we'll see Wichita State on the road tonight. You'll, of course, hear that game with us over on KEYN at 5 o'clock pregame coverage begins. Uh, but that's what is on tap there for Wichita State tonight. Tommy and I will be back with more Sports Daily after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tommy Rex Ryan might be making a return to the NFL. Apparently the Denver Broncos are interested and he is, according to reports, the leading contender to be their defensive coordinator. Okay. That's pretty interesting, I think. Um, I, I liked Rex Ryan. I think he's a great character in the NFL. I think he and the Ryan family have a long history of success, and I wonder if any time away has allowed him to sort of refocus, right? He was fired from the Bills, but I I, I think it's a fine idea for Sean Payton. Um, and, and the reason that... I sort of like it, and and it's sort of counterintuitive to what we would think, right? But it's almost like bring as many big personalities into that room as you can so some of the attention is taken away from Russell Wilson. So he can't be the biggest personality in the room. Sean Payton accomplishes that at head coach. Rex Ryan would certainly – like now now you're looking at things and you know maybe some attention gets drawn away from Russ Wilson. And, and honestly, like I don't think that's too bad of a strategy. I, I think that gives him a better chance to succeed is to take some of that spotlight away if you can. And Rex Ryan probably does that for that team because then some of the questions will get, you know, sent his way because he's a he's a character for sure. Well, Rex Ryan, don't forget, he was a really successful defensive coordinator before his time with the Jets, before he was with the Bills. He was the defensive coordinator for the Ravens for a number of years and, and was really, really successful at that job. Now, things have changed. We're talking like, you know, 
almost 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, when he held those different positions with the with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and he's had several years on TV where he gets to be on ESPN every Sunday morning talking about the NFL and then the head coaching stints that he had. Um, so I have a hard time thinking that Rex Ryan is going to want to go to Denver and play second fiddle to Sean Payton and not be the face because he's on TV every single week. And I think there's something there that Rex Ryan clearly enjoys. So I'm not sure that this is the most appealing idea for him, but maybe he does want to give it one more shot in the coaching ranks, move away from TV. Uh, You know, it's not the first time. Obviously we talked about Jeff Saturday earlier in the show. He did that this year, moved away from ESPN to go back uh, in or to go into coaching. And uh, there are other personalities that have done that too. John Gruden is one of them. There are a lot of them uh, that have gone from broadcasting back to the coaching ranks. I'm just not so sure that this is an appealing move for Rex Ryan because he likes being on TV every week. Well, I mean, the itch is almost always there, right? The itch is there for these guys. And Rex Ryan, I, I here, I'm going to be real honest. I don't watch a lot of programming that way anymore like I would have at one point in my life. I see Rex Ryan in spurts. I think he's fine. I think he's entertaining. But I'm not watching and consuming hours and hours of, you know, NFL daily shows like I like I used to. Just not what I do anymore. And so, yeah, he's fine. But guess what's waiting for him? The second he, you know, doesn't have success or wants to be done coaching again, he can go get a TV job again. I mean, Rex Ryan's a yeah. character I think most networks would like to have a part of, just in whatever capacity. I mean, there's a million outlets where guys like him with his knowledge and character and charisma can get jobs doing stuff like that. So I think it's a good opportunity. I mean, just at its surface— if you're if you're power ranking defensive jobs that you could take, I, I still think Denver would be high up on that list. I, I mean, I well, think yeah, they're but talented. I, I also think that if you're power ranking the potential defensive coordinators in the league, I don't think Rex Ryan shows up on that list right now. Maybe he did a long time ago, but I'm not sure he does now. So I guess that's my other question. Aren't there other candidates that might be younger? that maybe have a more recent pedigree in coaching that could go and, and do maybe a better job than what Rex Ryan could. Age doesn't matter to me in coaching in the NFL. Um, but I, that it's, it's but hard to know out what... of the NFL for six years, seven years. Well, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been watching trends in the league and, and at, at some capacity could take a broader look right now at what is or is not having success. Because, we also know hey, styles and tendencies in the NFL are cyclical. Right, like things change and happen. Defense is all changed. Guess what's going to happen next year? The, the some of the adjustments we saw the Chiefs make. A lot of teams are going to try to make those adjustments, and there will be a need for defenses yeah. then again to adjust to offenses. But look, I'm going to tell you right now that as a Chiefs fan, uh, if Rex Ryan becomes the defensive coordinator for the Broncos, uh, yeah, give me a guy who has been out of the league for seven years trying to defend Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense twice a year in the AFC West. I love it. I mean, I think for, I think Chiefs fans should want Rex Ryan to get that job. He's been out of the NFL for so long. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, I think that's too simplistic. I don't, I think these guys have, a, you know, assistant coaches and positional coaches. And I mean, by that logic, then Sean Payton's not going to have any success either, right? Like it's. No, oh, he's been out of the league for a year. It hasn't been seven years. He's been out of yeah, the league Yeah, but the league. Year. 
but the league has changed a lot since he was his most successful self, right? Um, and got, look, guys like Mike McCarthy are a good example of what you're talking about, and we'll see because he's going to take it over full force. He, but Mike McCarthy's issues have been in management more than X's and O's, I think. Um, and so I, I think X and o, X's and O's change not just year to year, Tommy. I think they change week to week. So I, I think it's hard to just blindly say whether a guy is going to have success. Look at Greg Roman. I mean, he he at the, at the point he took over and reinvented himself around Lamar Jackson's offense, and I'm talking when it first happened, like that was a reinvention project for him. And, and that can totally well, happen for other guys. And he, here's another comparison, though, for you. Uh, a guy who has been widely revered as one of the best defensive minds in the NFL is Vic Fangio. He was the former head coach for the Broncos, never beat the Chiefs, never beat them during his time. The the three seasons that he was in Denver, 0-6 against the Chiefs. And I think that he would probably be a better defensive mind right now than Rex Ryan is. And that's who they are. He's a top candidate to be the D coordinator in Denver. Okay. He doesn't scare me at all. Vic Fangio didn't either, but at least I knew Vic Fangio had a pretty decent defensive mind. Give me Vic Fangio any day over Rex Ryan. We'll see. I, I think it's a decent idea for the Broncos uh, to bring that personality in there. And they, they disappointed defensively last year, so a shift might not be a bad thing. Uh, 869-1240, it could fail miserably. Don't get me wrong. Like, who knows? Uh, I mean, it could go up in flames. Nobody would be surprised by that either. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the day for the networks here on Sports Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.